We're part of this Choose Life series that we're in, and you would at this point have a blue whizzy graphic with arrows, a lady looking up, and choose life. But don't bother with that, because I'm here. Look at me. <laughs> no. Um, we all want to honour God. Yes? Yeah. I mean, this is a sermon, really, a talk, really, for, um, for Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian love you, honour you, hear because God speaks in every single breath of the world, every single bit. This is still for you, but I, I, as we're, as we're worshipping, this is for Christians who honour God. We want to honour God. This sermon is called Motivated by Honour, and I am not going to waste the first 10 minutes of the sermon by persuading you you need to honour God. If you don't know that, come and see Gareth afterwards. (laughs) Or Peter. (laughs) The thing is, the implications of that are profound. They are quite, quite profound. Because if you choose honour, the implications of that are not easy. So, as I was praying this through, I started... Those of you that know me know that um, I tend to slip down rabbit holes of thought quite quickly. My brain goes a long way quickly, and, and I started thinking about Jesus. And there's quite a lot to think about. But particularly, I started thinking about the fact, how did he do what he did? I mean, How? See, we have the wonderful joy of hindsight. We know what Jesus did, what it achieved and how it was. Great. And perhaps it depends, it does depend on your Christology, but perhaps Jesus knew exactly what was coming. Perhaps Jesus had some kind of insight, but my Christology says that Jesus was fully human and therefore he lived in the moment and he did what he heard the Father tell him to do. And there's a very good reason that I believe that. It's because the Bible says that. Jesus says, I do only what my father tells me to do. And this passage that we're looking at in John's gospel, where we're going, if you do look up John 7, we're going to get to John 7, 18 in a second. But Jesus was in the midst of that experience. This is, his ministry is starting And Jesus begins his ministry with exactly this thing of, I will honour my Father in heaven. I will obey his will. I will seek his will. I will honour him. With every part of my life, I will honour my Father. And from that point, he skips through life, full of joy, and everything's really easy. Thank you, sir. Neither in mine. Did you want to come up and take <laughs> You see, what he chose to do to honour his father, think about it. Don't think about the end bit, which is what he chose to do by honour his father led to our life and fullness and joy and grace and all that stuff. Don't think about that. 
Think about what the immediate benefits were for Jesus as he chose at each step to honour his father. He chose to teach in honour of his father and he was rejected. He chose to heal and to help those people who had nothing, who were completely forgotten by their religion and they chose to crucify him. Every point where Jesus chose to honour his father in his lifetime, it led him to more and more danger, more and more trouble, ultimately to a trial within which he chose to honour his father in the full knowledge that it would lead him to the cross. Jesus chose to honour God over his own immediate benefit. Because the will of God ultimately leads to life. Jesus knows that. We know that Jesus' life, death, resurrection leads to life, yes? Anyone else here? It's hot? Help me. We know ultimately that leads to life. But the steps it goes through to get there are really hard. Because it led to death and suffering before it led to life. And I ask myself the question, as I think about Jesus, my saviour, who I have spent most of my life pursuing, I ask myself the question, how the heck did he do that? Because I find it difficult to honour God when it hurts me. And don't you dare tell me I'm the only one in the room who feels that. Anyone here who feels that it's easy to honour God with your life, you need to seek prayer now for delusion. It's hard. And the context of this verse, this verse, this verse 18 in chapter 7, is that Jesus is teaching in, um, in the synagogue at a festival He turns up late to start with and then he starts teaching late and suddenly his words have got all these authority and he's telling people why he's got this. And the verse, very specific verse I was given to speak on is 18. It says, whoever speaks on his own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. And we have hindsight and we see what this means in the end. But Jesus made that choice at each step along the pathway of his life and then he went through it. He lived through it. And we're Christians, right? I'm not saying anything radical. I I do have a habit of standing up here not saying anything radical. But we know we need to live like him, yeah? Yeah. So my question, as I'm thinking that through and I'm thinking about this passage, is does honouring God always benefit me, us, in the moment? Did it always benefit Jesus in the moment to honour God? No way. No way, no how, nothing. No, it didn't. 
Now, I know not everyone would agree with me in that because there are people who hold theology that says if you follow God and you do what God says, then everything will be great. You will have prosperity and you'll have everything you need. And if you don't follow God, then that's when the difficulty comes. That is called false religion. That is no different than the religion of the Pharisees. No different. I'm sorry, it's not. And if you want to argue with me about that, please come. Bring it on. I am a little bit confrontative about some things. That's one of them. The reality of it is that when we choose to honour God in this lifetime, the reward, the grace, the fullness of God, there's so much to say. Just, we are so blessed. How much good does God trust us and love us, and honour us, and want us to grow, that he lets us live past the point when we come to faith. We're here for a reason. I watched a really interesting sermon by somebody who I find very interesting and challenging. Bill Johnson lost his wife, and he stood up there and he said, I refuse to believe God is only good during the good times because I've just lost my wife. And God is still good. I just can't see it yet. And you see that. That appears in so many sermons over time. But just how loved are we by God that he trusts us to do that? We are here to grow. And it's a real issue that it can be difficult for us as Christians, men and women of God, to choose to honour God Because our actions are often shaped by our fear. So the number of Christians say, I'm not scared. So why didn't you step out in faith? Well, you know, it wouldn't have helped. It was illogical. Our fear speaks to us far more. We choose to allow our actions to be shaped by our insecurity. I mean, if you want insecurity and to find out more about insecurity, this together bloke you have at the front here is not always this together. It's... We, we, we choose our actions to desire acknowledgement because we have this sense that if we do stuff that God wants us to do, then people will notice that. There are billions... Literally, billions of men and women of God who have lived their life in utter obscurity. And their reward. Now, when we choose life, we choose to honour God and to honour God whatever the implications, whatever that means. And the reality is that most often it means stepping down. It means losing out. It means having less. And we're in really good company when we do that. Because you can't tell me that Jesus didn't step down, lose out and have less as he went through his ministry. By the time he was hanging on the cross, there were a few women and John. And they were probably hiding, if we're honest. This is 
normal Christian life. And it's hard to believe for us as Christians, particularly for us who have grown up as Christians in the evangelical and charismatic streams of the church. It's hard for us to believe that God wants less than our immediate benefit because we're taught when we come to faith then everything's better. And it is in a very profound way. It's just sometimes not that obvious as we find challenges and difficulties. Don't tell me it's easy to be a Christian. One, I know it's not. And two, I haven't been doing it wrong all these years and it's still been really difficult. (laughs) To be honest, I can only speak for me because the bigger question here is that our benefit under God and the benefit of the world we're in is a bigger question than our benefit in this moment. I've seen so many of my friends fall away from faith because someone they love has died. I've seen so many people fall away because of what the church has done to them. Because they're, they were hurt. And there's a big part of me doesn't blame them. But God's benefit is bigger than my life. And the implication of that is deeply profound. Because we're called to be like Jesus. And Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, you can use a cross as a doorstop if you want to. That is a purpose. And you could probably, with imagination, find other purposes for a cross. But I hate to tell you this. There is really only one purpose for a cross. And it's as an instrument of death. And if you take seriously the call of God... You are seriously saying, I will follow you unto death. That is profound. And that is, I'm not saying any of this stuff in any sense to bring guilt or fear or anything like that. If you are a Christian and if you've been following Jesus and if you read the same Bible as I and Julian and others, it's not easy. And I can only talk for myself. Every sermon I preach, all of my insecurities bubble up. I mean, why am I up here? I mean, for goodness sake. Those of you that know me should know better than to give me this sort of trust. (laughs) I made a decision 12 years ago now to leave the denomination where I worked and led, and to live in utter obscurity for 12 years, and no one understands it. I don't, if I'm honest. And it's been hard. A couple of years ago, I was offered a job, a really good job, where I would have been given all sorts of responsibility and all sorts of public view. And I refused it because God said, no, it's not for you. You need to be doing this at the moment. And my testimony is the easy one. (laughs) 
I was, as I was praying, I was listening to God's voice and trying so hard to hear what God wanted to say for today. And I know that there are people in this room, including me, but I'm aware this is being recorded, so I'm not going to go too far into it. Our children aren't in church. The people we love more than anything else in the world, the choices we've made to honour God seem like they've stripped our children from us. There are people here who chose to honour God and you lost your husbands and wives. I'm so sorry. How can that be to your benefit? There are people here who have been made bankrupt. There are people here who have chosen to do things have been persecuted for it. I mean, let's not go too far down this line because I'm going to lose it in a minute. But Jesus' example is there. He honoured God. And it doesn't always feel good or even beneficial at the time when we honour God. But God is so much bigger than we are. Can you turn the volume down, please, Steve? Because I'm about to blow my nose. No one deserves it. Catastrophe averted. Thank you. Honouring God, this is, this is something... If you're writing stuff down, write this down because I'm quite pleased with this. <laughs> I feel quite smug about this. Honouring God, okay, might be counterintuitive, but it's never counterproductive. In the end, as we've just sung, God is good. In the end, it will come right. And I just want to read for you a passage from Scripture. If you want to follow it, that's fine. It's in Philippines. Philippians, sorry, not Philippines. Philippines is a long way away. <laughs> if you need to go to the Philippines to read this scripture, you're in trouble. It's in Philippians 2, beginning at verse 1. This, this is honouring God. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is really amazing stuff. To be honest, this takes six months of sermons just to get through this. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that immediate benefit that Jesus didn't get had results. And the truth is we don't see them sometimes. 
The truth is we need to imitate Jesus. We need to choose to honour our Father God and we need to make decisions which sometimes are not that easy. So how do we do what Jesus did, even when it feels difficult? All I can share is what I've learned. And at this point, I want you to imagine the PowerPoint because this is the only point it would have been any good. First of all, if you want to honour God, this. Get to know who God is. Learn about who God is. Learn about what his character is like. Read the Bible. Listen to testimony. Pray. Talk. Seek after Father God. (laughs) God is never inconsistent. But there are those... There are those challenges. There are those things that if we choose to honour God... We see them in the Bible and we think, how could a loving God do that? They're still there. When we choose to honour God, our questions aren't answered, but we do do it honestly. You see, the one thing we do know about the Bible and from God that we can always say with absolute certainty is that he is bigger and greater and more mind-blowing than any one of us can conceive. Now, I am sure I am far from the most intelligent person in this room, and I, I just cower when I look at who God is. Does anyone else feel really inadequate when they, they try and consider who the Father is? Isn't it hard? But isn't it great? I mean, for goodness sake, if the God I follow could be conceived by my brain, he wouldn't worth be following. I mean, I support Tranmere Rovers. What kind of decision is that? (laughs) God knows you already, okay? The Bible says he is greater, more abounding, more wonderful than you can ever imagine, and he invites you into relationship because he knows you utterly. And the reason we need to get to know God is as we get to know God, we fall in love with God. There are those who look at the church and say, there's God. No, God's not there. God is a real person. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Real person we can have relationship with. And as we learn about God, and I hope there are others who agree with me in this. I know there's at least two. We fall in love with God. I love God. I wish I was Shakespeare. I wish I could write sonnets. I wish I could write plays or paint like Michelangelo and do all these things and express my love of God. And no, even then, it's so far short of how I actually feel and who God actually is. And the reason we fall in love with God is this. When we choose to honour the people we love, we will suffer for them. We will suffer for the people we love, and God calls us to suffering. Sorry, this isn't the most uplifting service in the world, but it's true. We can suffer for the ones we love. If you love God, if you know God, then you can choose the path of honour, whatever it takes. And that is what Jesus does. In line with the verse from earlier, he stands there and he says, 
Those who do it in the name of the Father, who honour the Father, who honour God, there is no falsehood in them. That's how he gets through what he gets through. The second thing is, so you get to know God. Second thing is this, get to know yourself. That's probably more scary for most of us than getting to know God because God seems like some distant character. I have to carry myself around every single day and I'm not sure I like what I see some of the time. Be honest with yourself. And the reason we have to be honest with ourselves is because when we choose to honour God, we have to look beyond ourselves, our circumstances, ourself, and we look to God. Is God calling me to do this? Then I will do this because it's God calling me to do it. And it does feel risky. Most people simply hold back from knowing themselves in case they don't like what they find. And if you're anything like me, I didn't particularly like what I found. I mean, that. please don't think I'm standing up here with no saving graces whatsoever and I'm an absolutely awful rat bag. I'm just the same sort of rat bag you lot are. <laughs> Check, please. Um, <laughs> Many people hold back because they're frightened of what they'll find, but it is a huge key to honouring God. It is a massive key to serving God well. See, in religion, you're told you hide what you are because you don't want to dishonour what you're doing. In relationship with God, you are told to bring forward what you are, to offer it as a sacrifice because it empowers you to be full of his spirit. Do you think God doesn't know you? I mean, I know that's a stupid question. And everyone here is not stupid. But you feel stupid now, don't you? I don't want to get to know myself in case I don't know what I like, don't, know, don't like what I find. And I can't possibly get to know myself because if I don't like what I find, how can God like what I find? Do you honestly think God doesn't know you already? And what does he invite you to? Relationship. Unity. He calls you child, son, daughter. I love you with an everlasting love. You can hide on the far side of the sea. You can find the darkest place in the universe to find. And he will still see you because night is as daytime to him. He is passionate for you. He pursues you. He loves you. You will not find anything in yourself that is so unlovable that Jesus didn't die for you. Ever. And there are those people who are sitting there now saying, well, there is one sin in the, in the Bible that says, if you sin against the Holy Spirit, then you won't be rescued by God. How do I know I haven't sinned against the Holy Spirit? Could you please put your hand up if you believe Jesus Christ is Lord? You haven't sinned against the Holy Spirit. There we go. In fact, knowing who you really are makes it easier to know God and to hear his voice because it helps you to filter out those insecurities. It helps you to filter out the bruises. We're all bruised. It helps us to filter out the fears and to hear God's voice, to know and understand God's will more clearly. Be truthful with yourself and trust God. And brothers and sisters, there are those among us 
who look at people around us and think, oh, that person's got a huge burden of sin they're carrying. Maybe I should point that out to them. Maybe I should lead them and help them to a closer relationship with God by pastorally poking their sin. Don't do that. Because God might do it to you. When you see somebody carrying a burden of sin, love them. Love them as you want to be loved. Love them as God loves you. Because all that insecurity and fear and hurt and damage and bruise that's in you now, that's in the person next to you in their way. And God loves them just as much as he loves you. This is going down paths I wasn't expecting. Third, listen to God. Okay, so we've got get to know God, get to know yourself. Make space to listen to the voice of God. You may sit there and say, well, it's all right for you, Nigel. You hear the voice of God all the time. That raises all my insecurities too when I hear the voice of God. You have no idea how difficult it is for me to come up and tell somebody at the front, I think God's saying this. Normally, it's after a filtering process of 20 minutes. And, I mean, anybody else here who gives prophetic words, who understands and sees that? Yeah, it's really hard. Okay, so don't assume that everyone else can hear God better than you. Spend time, make space, listen to God. I promise you, I promise you, Father God speaks. We can hear him. The reason that Jesus went to heaven and left the Holy Spirit is really simple. It's so that every one of us can hear God's voice and test it. Promise he speaks. And the more you listen, the more you will be able to hear. There's a very good reason that the men and women in history who are followers of Jesus have time and time and time again chosen to remove themselves from society to pray. Oh, and Jesus too. It's because you learn to hear the voice of God in silence, in quiet. I know for extroverts... Live with it. So that when you go back into the clamour and dispute, when you go back into the noise, you can still hear the voice of God. Because the voice of God is so pure. And nothing gets in its way other than us and the noise. We learn to hear it. So make space. I know there are those as well who would get rid of every tradition. Some traditions are there for a very good reason. Retreat really cool learn to listen so that you can learn to hear and I think I need to say this too there are those people who think and feel and believe well if God's called me then it's all just going to fall in my lap yeah my experience and as I read the Bible there is no shortcut to maturity There is no shortcut. Learn to listen to God. Spend time. Go places where you listen. And then fourth, I need to get on with this, don't I? Intentionally choose to honour God. After all of that, after everything, what did Jesus do when he said, I am? When they said, are you the son of God? And Jesus said, I am. 
That was the moment his death warrant was signed. What did Jesus do in that moment? He chose intentionally to honour God. It's an act. We need to act on what we hear. Whatever the consequences might be, we need to act in God's interest, not our own. It will almost certainly feel counterintuitive. It will almost certainly feel weird. It will almost certainly have second thoughts and third thoughts. Sometimes it will be easy to honour God. It is sometimes. It's, oh, sometimes it's so cool. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it will be really obvious the good it does when you choose to honour God because you will see it immediately. Other times you might die before you see it. breaks my heart when I see people I love, Christians, men and women of God, who are pursuing the kingdom of God and they are pursuing the kingdom of God and they say, old churches, they're all dead. And by doing so, we dishonour generations of men and women who faithfully prayed and faithfully said, God, where are you? Every day. Don't bin them. You're built on them. But it's what Jesus did. He chose for Father's honour, even though it led him to the valley of the shadow of death. Choose God's will because it will always, even when you can't see how, lead to life. And finally, and this is what I think God wants to minister to today. Keep going. Please don't give up. Wherever it takes you, however hard it becomes, or however easy it might be, I can't even read my writing. Don't give up. You will almost certainly want to. My own testimony. Oh, man. I genuinely... If you, if you want to know what my testimony is, what my walk is, I'm not going to share it now, but I've nearly left faith many times, mostly because of me, and mostly because I, well, actually always, because I've looked at God and not seen who he is. Know God, know yourself, listen to God, intentionally choose to honour him, and keep going. It's all over the Bible. I was, I, one of the things I've been absolutely captivated for for about the last three years is Moses, right? And it's the bit in Moses that you don't read. He leaves Egypt and suddenly he's looking after sheep and walking in the wilderness and he sees the burning bush. What about the 40 years? Do you think he was sitting in the whole 40 years thinking, well, I made the right decision, didn't I? Immediate benefit isn't always the thing. It's all over the Bible. God takes time to shape people. And if you are in the midst of living in the reality of your choice to honour God, and it's hard, don't give up. Please don't give up. First of all, don't despise the challenges of the wilderness. 
The wilderness is the place where we feel most lonely, where it feels empty, where it feels dry, where it's most difficult to walk. But almost universally in the Bible, the wilderness is where God speaks. Don't despise the wilderness because it's where God's people grow and hear God speak most clearly. What happens when they get to the promised land? That's when the trouble starts. Second, don't despise the choices that are hard. When we choose to follow God, even though it's a sacrifice, that is the choice that brings the most honour and glory to God. That's the choice that changes things. It's the one that brings the most life. And you may not see it immediately. You may not even see it in your lifetime. But I promise you, the Father you honour, honours you. God is no man's debtor. Finally, celebrate the choices of others. Their benefit is God's honour. Don't be jealous of the person who looks far better, far more spiritual. Well, they made the decision and they're all right, aren't they? We don't need to do that. See, and I say this again because I am smug, honouring God might be counterintuitive, but it is never counterproductive. I hope, God, I hope there's stuff in there worth going for, but this is really, honestly, what I think we need to do to finish, if this is okay. Gareth, we do have five minutes. I think that is actually a gentle message. I hope it's gentle. Because the last thing I want is to make your bruise bigger. But it is a message for those of us who are bruised. This is a message for those of us who have found that their choice to honour God has led them to suffering and loss and hurt and bruising they didn't expect. Because we need to pray for you. Because you're like Jesus. Your choice to honour your father, which has led you to bruising and hurt, that is something we aspire to. Because it's through death that life comes. It's through hurt that release comes. It's through illness that healing comes. And it's in your honour of your Father that we see Christ. Your honour was good. And God's trust in you to allow you to go through something which was so risky. That is profound. And God's presence in you is there. Those who are bruised, disappointed, is what God says. Those of you who are dealing with disappointment because of your choice to honour God in whatever way that was, whoever hurt you, however that pain came about, you did not choose that disappointment. 
You didn't choose to be bruised. You didn't choose to suffer. You chose to honour God. And the bruising and the suffering came as a result of your choice. And God honours you. This may mean absolutely nothing. But I am so proud to call you a brother or a sister. I mean, that you chose to follow a path that led to suffering in your desire to honour God. I mean, I'm, I don't really care what you did if you were doing it honestly in love because you wanted to honour God. Praise God. And I think we need to pray for you. And the difficulty is you now have to make a choice which may lead to pain. I'm going to ask, oh, wow, I think this is the right thing to do. No, I'm, I'm just leaving it all to Gareth. He's the elder. If it goes wrong, it's him. <laughs> and Nicola's hosting too, so she can take some of the blame. So, genuinely, I feel this is what God wants to do. Please, would everyone close their eyes and... St- No, everyone close your eyes and stay seated. If everyone could close your eyes, that would be great. I know, I really believe there are people here who feel bruised and hurt. You feel that you have said to God, I will follow you all the days of my life and it's led you to suffering and hurt, to death, to divorce, to whatever it might be. And you are bruised. And people stand up here so often and say, oh, this God is amazing and fantastic and loves you and all the rest of it. And you sit there and you think, well, I don't feel like it right now. I really want you to trust us as your family if you feel like that and to stand, please. Everyone else, keep your eyes closed. If you feel you want to be Yeah, if you feel that's you, please stand. There are people standing. Take courage. You won't be alone, I promise you. Now, everyone else has got their eyes closed. What I'm planning on doing, and I'm offering this to you, you can, if you want to, choose not to do this if you're standing now. Everyone else has got their eyes closed. And if you haven't, God's watching you. Keep your eyes closed. If what I'm planning on doing is asking people around you, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to pray with you. Not their words, because I know that their words may hurt you. But to gather around you and lay hands on you so I can pray and they can say amen. If you don't want that because you feel hurt and you're scared of it, you may sit down. Absolutely, you don't have to do that. But if you remain standing, that's what I'm going to ask to happen. So I'm going to give you a few seconds to sit if you want to. And I just want to say thank you for trusting us. This is sacred. This feels like a sacred moment. So everybody, please open your eyes. And if you're able to, gently... Gather round the people you see, and I would like at least three hands on everybody. Please, 
go up to them, ask their permission first, lay them on gently in the right places. If you're standing together, just make a bit of space so everyone can, you know, people can get around you. That would be helpful. Parents, you may need to go and get your children now. You will need to go and get your children now. Just a few people. There's a couple of people which have only got two. Okay. So I'm going to pray. And I'm praying because I feel quite strongly that there are people who won't trust the prayers around them because they're worried about them. I hope you trust me to pray. If you're standing with somebody, pray silently, pray in tongues, just bless them. And I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you that you honour those who honour you. Father, I pray for the bruising in people's hearts. Would you please meet them where they're at? Holy Spirit, I invite you to do a job of healing for those who have been hurt by your church. Please bring healing. For those who are hurt by others, please bring forgiveness. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, now in your, in Jesus' name, increase your presence. Because no prayer I say is going to do anything. It's in your name. And for those of you standing, being prayed for, this God loves you. He is so proud of you. He's proud because you are still here. And I speak healing into your heart in Jesus' name. I speak joy into your heart in Jesus' name. Bless you, Jesus.